0: very locus, as the very location himself of where God is to be praised and adored. Jesus as the temple. Jesus as the new temple. He is the place where God's presence fully inhabits. He is the place that we go to with our... And, he... and then Luke drops us this line. <sighs> That's supposed to be the reaction to the readers who are reading this. <sighs> what? The fact that the least expected is the one who exercises a true saving faith in the inbreaking of God's kingdom through the person of Jesus. He is the one who expresses a full thanks, praise, and gratitude. And Jesus says, get up, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Another way to uh, translate that is your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. This one has experienced something that the other nine have not. Now the point is not to slam the others who were religious Jews. The point is not to slam religious Jews and uphold Samaritans. And the point isn't merely to say something about Jesus' acceptance of non-Jews, though it does, the text is making that point. The point is this. The point is to demonstrate that the faith that the God of heaven and earth is looking for is a faith that bridges distance and comes to Jesus to praise God. An authentic faith bridges distance, relational distance, and comes to praise God in the person of Jesus. Then Jesus asks this series of questions. And one of them, I think, reveals something profound. The other nine, where are they? Where are they? Jesus laments that the gift that he has given has not been responded to with gratitude by the other nine. There wasn't any thanksgiving. There wasn't any seeking to step into a relationship with him and bridge that distance and to give gratitude. And Jesus laments that. Only one returns and crosses that relational distance and gives praise to him. It says much about the Lord's desire for relationship. He doesn't desire to just proclaim you saved and justified and send you on your way back into everyday life. The Lord desires relationship with those whom he he gives the gift of healing. Isn't it easy, though? I mean, these nine, they really did the typical thing and to take the gift, the greatest gift that uh, we could take, it's easy for us to take the gift of salvation and kind of just be about our way and be about our lives and neglect the practice of gratitude, of thanksgiving. It's so easy for all of us to slip into neglecting the practice of gratitude, of praise and thanksgiving to God. You see, worship, when we come together and when we worship in our own individual lives, worship is about giving Thanks to God is about giving something for God, praising God for all that he is. It is not primarily about getting something that makes us feel good, though it does do that sometimes. It's not about an experience that we have. It's not about a subjective experience. Not primarily. Those things happen sometimes after we realize that we come to God objectively to worship a holy God so much of the modern church has um, taken worship and made it about simply an experience, an individual's experience. And I think that's dangerous because worship is from us to God, not about us coming just to receive from God. It's about us responding to what he has done on the cross to reconcile us to himself. Where are they? Where are the others? You know, I don't sense so much anger in that question as I sense sadness, grief. Where are they? I mean, think about it. Have you ever sent a gift to somebody um, and never had them say thank you in return, never send a note? The more people I talk to about this, it's a universal experience. You, uh, You send something off, And you never hear a reply. And, you know, on the surface, it's disappointing because, well, it's rude, right? Common sense says you should say thanks when a gift is sent to you. Um, But it's disappointing on a more profound level because when you give a gift to somebody, when any gift giver gives a gift, the expectation for a thanks is only the surface of it. There's actually a desire for the deepening of your relationship with that person that you give a gift to. It creates a sort of bond. It's sort of symbolic when you give someone a gift. It creates a bond under the surface that says, I want to deepen my relationship with you, let you know that I appreciate you, let you know that I care and want to be close to you we've had this happen recently. Uh, my wife and I are no longer the new people on the block. There are some new neighbors, a young couple who moved in, who um, have several kids that we heard about and we've seen, we saw them going in and out. And so we thought, we'll make a batch of cookies like the old, old way. And I don't know, do people still do that? So anyway, we did that and took it down and they weren't there, but the mom was there and she took it and she was very kind and very thankful. Um, and we left our phone number on a note and everything and said, hey, we'd like to you know, get to know you and say hi, welcome to the neighborhood. And to this day, never heard anything back, right? And I don't know, maybe they're just too busy, but it was, it was disappointing, right? And we, we were just sort of saddened because we were hoping to build a relationship with them, right? To, to deepen a relationship with somebody. And it was disappointing for that reason. So if it grieves us when we give a gift and, and gratitude is not reciprocated, how much do you think It grieves the heart of God when he looks out at his people whom he has given the greatest gift of healing and salvation when they don't return to him constantly in praise and thanksgiving. God is a God who is desiring the deepening of relationship always with his people, desiring to go deeper in our relationship. How much does it grieve God? How often, I wonder, does God look out on his own church and say, where are they? Where are they? So I want to ask this question. How do we offer true thanksgiving? What does the Christian life look like when we are offering true thanksgiving? How does it happen? How do we, if you will, cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Sorry, my teenagers groups are all embarrassed at that really bad play on words right now. But how do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? How do we cultivate a sense of thanksgiving in our lives? Some of you may know that uh, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. It comes from the Greek word, Eucharistain. It means thanksgiving. In Luke's passage, when the man runs back to Jesus, it literally says in the Greek, he Eucharist him, right? He gave him thanks. And so... There's something going on here that has to do with thanksgiving. And if you listen to the prayers today, and I hope you do because you're supposed to be praying the prayers as the priest is praying them, as your representative, you're supposed to be praying along. And as you pray, notice all of the language of thanksgiving. And there's one line that says, we offer to you our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Right? So we are bringing to God a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving for what he's done for us. But that's not the only sacrifice involved in what's going on up here. If you were to look in the back of your prayer book and you look um, at the catechism, I know you all probably read it on a weekly basis to remind yourself about Christian doctrine, but there's a question that says, why is the Eucharist called a sacrifice? Why is the Eucharist called a sacrifice? Because if you read back all the way to the early church fathers, they were referring to the Eucharist as a sacrifice. And this is how it words the answer. Because the Eucharist, the church's church's sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, is the way by which the sacrifice of Christ is made present and in which he unites us to the one offering of himself. Woe. There's a lot of theology packed in that one sentence and I think they did a good job of making it pretty clear. Here's what's happening. When we bring forward our praise and thanks to God, the very power and presence of the sacrifice of Christ is made present to us sacramentally in a way we cannot explain in the bread and wine and we are united to him in his one offering of himself. It is a meeting of intimacy it is a meeting of deep relationship and intimacy. So that, what happens here is the center from which a life of thanksgiving must flow. This is the center from which it all flows. And so the question is, is it flowing out into our everyday lives? Is a sacrifice, an attitude of sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving flowing out into our everyday lives. Because, you see, to come to the altar on Sunday to receive Jesus and to be united with him in this deep, intimate way, and then to go about our weeks and keep a distance and let a distance abide between us and our relationship with the Lord is to live out a spiritual contradiction. It is a spiritual contradiction in terms. This is where God unites us to himself in relationship and desires it to flow into the rest of our lives for a sense of thanksgiving to pervade our lives. So what would it look like for each of us as individuals to cultivate a practice of gratitude in our lives that we could carry out into the week? First of all, the best thing to do to, 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 to practice gratitude is to come and be here at the one place where we do the ultimate consummate act of worship and are united to God. First of all, just being there is the first way to to cultivate a sense of gratitude and to understand that it 's about coming here to worship God. But what that might look like i don 't know for the rest of us throughout the week maybe it 's keeping track of God's blessings in our life. Maybe it's journaling a little bit here and there about what God has done so that you can look back and reflect. Maybe it's just taking a few minutes at the end of the day to thank God for one or two things that you have enjoyed that day. Maybe something simple like that. But God desires that attitude of thanksgiving in us because it deepens our relationship with him. It deepens our relationship with him. Don't allow yourself to keep distance between you and the God who doesn't want any distance between you. It's not good. He wants to fill you with himself. The uh, spiritual writer Adele Calhoun puts it like this. It is a discipline to choose to stitch our days together with the thread of gratitude. But the decision to do so is guaranteed to stitch us closer to God. That's pretty good. St. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians in his letter to them as he's closing his letter, he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances, whether you're suffering or abounding with joy and blessing, all circumstances, give thanks to God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is God's will for his people to always live a life of thanksgiving, no matter what the circumstances are. It's the attitude that should pervade each Christian life. I quote St. Augustine a lot. He is one of my favorite uh, saints, a bishop from the fourth century who had a profound conversion experience and has written much autobiographically. And the way that he writes autobiographically was very original because it was written kind of just as prayer and praise to God. And so I want to read you a little snip from St. Augustine's um, Confessions. O my God, let me with gratitude remember and confess unto you your mercies bestowed upon me. Let my bones be steeped in your love, and let them say, Who is like you, O Lord? You have loosed my bonds. I will offer unto you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Amen.